You're listening to Family Petals, the podcast for people questioning the status quo and living life a little bit differently. I'm your host, Sarah Copper. Today I'm talking with Rachel Jonet. She's a parent, writer, and founder of the Minimalist Mom blog. We discuss her experience biking as a family in Vancouver, abroad on the Isle of Man, and now in small town British Columbia. I hope you enjoy her perspective as much as I did. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. I am really excited to have you on. I started reading your blog a few years ago when I was really interested in simplification and minimalism. And then I saw you start writing about active transportation and biking as a family. And to me, those two are a really natural, it's a really natural partnership between those two ideas. But it's not something I see a lot of people writing about in the minimalism community. So it was such a pleasant surprise to hear your take on it. Oh, cool. I totally agree. We don't really see people talking about active transportation or having a healthier mode of transportation or simplifying it in the the minimalist world. People tend to be just focused on their house and their stuff. And so I've loved learning more about uh, getting around as a family without a car and hearing about other families doing it and trying it out ourselves. Well, before we get into all of your experiences, why don't you introduce yourself and your family and what you do? Sure. My name is Rachel Jonet, and I'm a Canadian. I've got three young kids, uh, all boys. They're currently eight, almost five, and just turned three. And my husband, Chris, and I um, recently moved to a small town in the Kootenai region of British Columbia. And for work, I've kind of stumbled upon a career as a a writer, and I mostly write about simplifying and minimalism for families. So I started a blog almost seven years ago. It's called theminimalistmom.com. And it was one of those start a blog to motivate myself to declutter my home. And it just kind of kept growing from there. And then uh, I've written a few books through it, Do Less, which is kind of a general simplifying book, a book for parents called uh, The Minimalist Mom, How to Simply Parent Your Baby. And I have a new one coming out in a couple of weeks called The Joy of Doing Nothing, about taking back personal mental real estate uh, for yourself. So yeah, we're your kind of regular family of five uh, with a couple asterisks thrown in. My oldest son is on um, the autism spectrum, so that uh, dictates a lot of, of how our family runs things. So yeah, I'm really excited to be on this podcast because I've, I love hearing about families getting around uh, by bike. Really enjoyed your interviews with Elsbeth in Chicago too. I'm so glad to hear you enjoyed it. She was so much fun to talk to and I just found her to be so relatable. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your biking and active transportation story, how you got started or interested in that? Sure. I, you know, had a bike growing up. I had a bike in college and I was an athlete kind of in my early 20s and I had a bike because it was the cheapest way to get around uh, until I had, a, at some point, I did have a car as an athlete. So I ended up driving more. And then I really kind of fell away from cycling until just a couple of years before having my first kid. I got a road bike and got into that with a couple of ex rower athlete friends. And for about a year, we were all into road cycling and I really enjoyed it. 
and I was road cycling around Vancouver. And then when I got pregnant with my first kid, I really kind of realized I wasn't going to have those four hours on Saturday to tool about on a road bike anymore, sadly. And so I sold my road bike and I didn't really consider getting a bike and like a chariot and a seat because I felt too scared. I'd been, you know, a somewhat experienced cyclist uh, riding in the city. And at that point, we didn't have that many protected bike lanes. And I just thought it was really too dangerous. I had a lot of friends who cycled all over the city. And they always had that saying of like, it's not if you'll have your first accident on your bike, it's just when. It's a matter of time. Mm. And, and, you know, I'd known people who'd had fairly serious injuries. And I just thought it would be too too scary to do with a kid along. And soon after, my son was, my first son was about a year and a half. We moved overseas to this place called the Isle of Man. It's this tiny little island in the Irish Sea, kind of between Ireland and mainland UK. And cycling there, uh, there, there were some road cyclists, but the drivers there are crazy because there's kind of no speed limits and it's very hilly. And so at times I thought, oh, it'd be so great to be able to bike with the kids. But again, I, I was really scared. And we spent four years there. And near the end of my four years there, someone I know who was an avid road cyclist was actually killed on the road. That was in the back of my mind. So I, I had all this experience, but I was quite scared to bike with my kids. And then we moved back to Vancouver and the bike path network had really improved. They were putting in protected bike lanes. And then, you know, Vancouver's got this great seawall and seafront, and there's really fantastic options for cycling around there. And I also started to see families on cargo bikes and started looking up cargo bikes and was really intrigued, but still kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was, we're looking at about a year and a half ago, I did it. I got a long tail a Yuba Mundo long tail and started cycling around the seawall with all three kids on board. And instantly I saw really what the potential was there. We were just using it recreationally. We didn't, we were so close to everything uh, living in downtown Vancouver that we just walked. Occasionally we took the bus, but we were just really used to walking. The restriction on that is that my kids are different ages and on foot, we could only go so far. So there were parks we'd want to go to, but it'd be a really arduous long walk, which I would love, but the kids would just be so fried by the time we got there. And it always kind of turned into a death march. <laughs> so then we got this long tail and I saw, wow, we can go. And the seawall bike paths there are really safe, really easy. So it just really opened things up to us. And the other cool thing I, I found was my kids loved it. There are kids who haven't really been in a car much. So when we drive in a car, they complain, they throw up, they all get motion sickness really easily. Mm. And it's really unpleasant for all of us. And the bike, yeah, sure, they fight, but mostly they're just loving things. They're, they're loving seeing things. They're loving that we can chat you know, their sibling is right there so they can annoy their sibling or <laughs> chat with their sibling. And it was really amazing to see that, that this cargo bike was actually better than I, I thought it would be. The one downside is that we lived in a condo building 
And our bike was behind two kind of metal fire doors. The bike room set up there really wasn't great. And so it was a lot of work just to get the bike out and up this huge ramp. And so often like we'd be like, oh, should we take the bike out or should we just walk or walk with the bus? And so we didn't use it a ton. We used it a lot on weekends. I used it, my younger two were in part-time daycare. And so I did a lot of adventures with the two of them. But we didn't really see the beauty of it as a car replacement until um, we recently moved to this small town. And that has just totally changed things because we just rolled it out of the garage. And it is so easy. And yeah, we're just, we're really loving it. I've really seen what a cargo bike can do since moving to this small town and having better access to it. Let's go more into the benefits of the small town in just a minute, because I found that so surprising when I read your blog post about how much easier you found it to be cycling in a small town, because it's the opposite of what I think when you've been living in this world-class biking city. Yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) It's been shocking. (laughs) But before we get to that, can you talk a little bit about your decision to go car-free while you were in Vancouver? Because even with those barriers you're talking about and the challenges of the parking there and, and some of that, you guys still decided to sell a car while you were there. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that thought process and what made you decide to do that? We've had three separate stints of being car-free as a family. And the first one was when my first son was about a year old and we had a bunch of debt and we were really trying to pay it off quickly. And I had this idea that we should sell our sedan and use car share, taxis if need be. But mostly, you know, we were living in this dense urban area. We just walked everywhere. And we talked about it for quite a while. My husband was quite fearful of it. You know, he's like, I've had a car, my own car since I was 18. And this feels very weird not to have a car. And we got a ton of pushback from family who were like, what will you do in an emergency? And how will you deal with this? And they just thought we were crazy. Mm -hmm. But we, yeah, it's the same story, right? Everyone's got the like, everyone said we were crazy. Yeah. But we did it. And it's the emergency question, too, that we got that also. Well, what would you do in an emergency? It's like, well, should we really be owning a vehicle for the off chance that something really terrible is going to happen and we'll need it for that? We've been car free for eight years now, and we haven't had an emergency like that where it's been a problem. Yeah. We've had situations where we've needed to ask a neighbor to borrow a car on short notice. We've Mm -hmm. had situations where we've had to take Uber. But it's not this life and death scenario that I feel like people are presenting us with if we don't have a car to save us. (laughs) I know. Well, if you break your leg, you're not driving yourself to the hospital. You're calling an ambulance. Right. That's what emergency services are for. Exactly. And so we did it. And, you know, we did have my son had a fall and... And we went and got him checked out. I called a cab. Mm-hmm. It's still so much cheaper than actually owning a car. Right. And that's, that's this fear. People have this what if fear. And I'm like, you know, if you live in a rural area, you should probably own a car because it's really going to be hard to get around. But yeah, we really didn't find it. And we were trying to pay off debt and we sold the car, stopped paying for insurance each month, and were able to rent our parking spot out. 
and selling the car, we got a few thousand dollars for the car. So it was like an immediate win. Mm -hmm. And at the time, we had a zip car, which is a car sharing service, parking lot, kitty corner to our condo building. So yeah, so that first stint really gave us the confidence that we would figure it out, that we didn't need the car. And when we moved overseas, before we moved, we were asking people over there, do we need to get a car? And people said, oh, yes, you have to get a car. And we chose where we wanted to live based on my husband being able to walk to work and me being able to get into town easily. And it was great. And the buses there were so nice. They're like the nicest public buses I've ever been on. And very few people use them. <laughs> and we really didn't, we didn't have a problem or need a car until... I wanted to, a CrossFit gym opened and their gym was in the middle of nowhere. I tried going on the bus. It took like an hour plus a bunch of walking to get there one way. I was like, I really want to do this and it requires a car. So we bought this old Citroen and then we moved because we wanted to be closer to my oldest who was going to his school. And then we got like more of a family car. So, I mean, we don't really enjoy driving that much, but I'm not going to make everyone's life miserable if where we're living does not support being car-free. Right. You have to be practical about it. And I think our situations are ever-evolving, especially once we have kids. I've never committed to being car-free for the rest of my life because who knows what's going to happen in three years or where we're going to be living or what our kids are going to need or what you're saying about there's a place that you have to go that's inaccessible otherwise. And yeah. I think it's really valuable to be open and not just hold on to this ideal, but to be constantly reevaluating what's best for your situation. It's so true. And especially if you have kids, they change so much and what they're doing changes. And the end of last summer, I was like, man, the three kids on the bike is a workout. Yes. Do I need e-assist? And by this summer, my oldest is, is riding independently so that, you know, it changes things again. But yeah, so we've never been like, we're going to do this to the detriment of our family, but we've always seen it as a really fun challenge. And we've always kind of been the weirdos. Like when we lived in the Isle of Man, we walked to this party that was in a, another village mm -hmm. and people were driving there and it was like an hour walk. And, uh, People were driving there. And then when we arrived, they were like, did I see you guys walking? <laughs> we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was us. Um, but we really, we like being outside. And, you know, my husband and I both really enjoyed being able to get around on foot. Mm -hmm. And it's always been a priority for us. And and so when we, we moved back to Vancouver, we also had another snag where we're like, okay, we're going to have to get a car because the school my son was going to the first year we were back was in a transit desert and um, we didn't have the cargo bike at the time and it was so arduous to get there on the bus and took so long we'll never make it so we had a car for a year and then my son switched schools and we gave up the car again <laughs> so we did another year without a car and then now we're now we have a car again and it's it's a car it's it's not great but for where we live it it feels like a necessity i mean it's a pretty small area, so sometimes you have to go to a town an hour to an hour and a half away uh, driving to see a medical specialist or something like that. But we chose our the house so that we could get into the quote-unquote downtown of this town 
and get the kids to school by bike or on foot as much as possible. It definitely doesn't have to be this all or nothing that if you have a car, it doesn't mean now we are driving everywhere we go, that you can still be incorporating all of those walking and biking in the trips where it makes sense and then using the car when it makes sense. So it seems like you guys are in a great balance right now with that. Yeah, that's so true. I, I've written a lot about reducing how much you use your car on my blog. And I get so many people who say that just doesn't work for me. I understand that. But you can always think about just trying to drive less. Mm -hmm. Even if that just means I'm going to be really conscientious about batching my errands so that I don't have to drive into town four days a week for them. Rather, I'll try and say, okay, one day a week, I do all my driving errands and try and just drive less. I think there's so much possibility there and global warming and we need people to drive less. We need a lot more encouragement about that out there because people do not want to give up their cars. Right. So we should be encouraging people to, to start driving less. Right. And just I think that once people try it, it's really self-reinforcing. So even if you're saying the one time a week I go to the library, I'm going to walk or bike there. In my experience, people who start doing that want to be incorporating it more, that it's not this, oh, it's a burden. Now I have to walk to this place. It's something that people end up looking forward to and want to find other ways to incorporate it even if they still need their car for a lot of trips that they do. So mm -hmm. I think the challenge is just getting people to, to find a, a simple way to start and something that feels doable as opposed to sell your cars right now yes. and yes. only bike and walk places. Because of course people have resistance to that and it feels overwhelming and it feels impossible and like they could never. But walk to your local park instead of driving. That feels like something we can all try. Oh, I, I so agree with that. It's so true that it's not all or nothing. Like I, I write about minimalism and simplicity and people feel like, unless I con Marie my whole house and get rid of everything, I haven't done it right or I haven't done enough. And I'm like, no, scalability is so beautiful and, and you don't have to do everything and it doesn't have to be perfect. Even just deciding to buy fewer things this year, setting that as a goal is such a great start. Doesn't have to be I'm going to live without a hundred things. Absolutely. I would love to go back to your time abroad really quickly. I have a follow-up question to that. So many people I know that have lived abroad, that is part of what has inspired them to do more active transportation and to walk and bike, especially in Europe, because there's a much bigger biking culture there. Did you find that in the Isle of Man or potentially in the UK in general, that it's a more similar car culture to what we have in North America? Or did you see some elements of that? Because what you're describing sounds more like our car culture yeah. and that you were still kind of the oddballs trying to incorporate more walking and biking. Yeah, well, so the Isle of Man is different from the UK and the Manx people would not say they are British at all. Okay. They're considered a crown dependency protectorate or something. So they share some, uh, some services with the UK, but the people kind of have their own Manx passport and they are not part of the European Union. Well, now Brexit, they're not going to be there anyways. So, right. And it has, it has a different culture there. I, I heard kind of conflicting things. Some people, you know, when we first moved there, they're like, oh, we walk everywhere. But I actually found that, in my view, that really wasn't the case. It was very car dependent. And 
I met so many people who were similar to us. They were an expat family that had moved there for work and they'd never taken the bus. They wouldn't even know where to start or consider it. And when they moved over, they bought two cars. So I found it to be not that hospitable to active transportation. And the people cycling were triathletes and road cyclists, not the casual cyclist out on a bike. Mm -hmm. That was in some ways kind of a disappointment for us. And the you know, we have our lists of, of wants when we move to a place and having things be walkable is right at the top. And there wasn't, once we had a school-aged child, there just, we couldn't make that work. We couldn't make it walkable to my husband's office and walkable to the school and walkable to town. So we had to kind of give some things up. Now, we did travel a lot while we were over there and we went to London a lot because it was just like a quick flight over. And there it's all about the walking. Um, you know, you take the tube and you walk. And so we loved that. I do love Europe and I love, I love talking to North Americans who go for the first time and, and kind of see what a city can do and, and what it can feel like. And you know how you talk to people after they go to Paris for the first time and they're like, it was so amazing. And I walked everywhere. And then I took the metro. We never got in a car and I got to see so many beautiful sights just walking around. And it's like this light bulb goes off, but I don't know if they always think I could have that here too. Right. Because it feels so different and that it's a unique situation as opposed to something that translates. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's move into the differences between Vancouver and where you currently live and what has been surprising about that, what's been better about being in the small town, and then what you miss about the transportation in Vancouver. Sure. So we had visited the small town a couple times before making the decision that it was the one we were going to move to. They've got some painted on bike lanes in the, the kind of main road through town, which are useless. <laughs> so. I thought when we moved here, I was like, should I bring the cargo bike? Most of the area doesn't have sidewalks. The downtown does and the main street. And then the rest of it, which a lot of it would look more like um, kind of like suburban development, but it's really close to town, walkable to town. A lot of it doesn't have sidewalks. And so I was quite fearful, like, do we bring the bike? Am I going to get run over? I rarely would ride in traffic on our cargo bike. I would almost always just be in protected bike lanes or along our seawall bike path because where we lived in downtown Vancouver, we were actually right on a block that has like an artery into the city. And I found the drivers so aggressive, so blind to everything, pedestrians, cyclists, and it just seemed way too dangerous to get into traffic with them. So I really had that in my mind, that fear of the driver uh, when we moved here. And then it couldn't be farther from what my expectations were. The first weekend we arrived, uh, my brother and his wife and, and some of their kids came over on their bikes and they're like, let's do a bike tour of town. And they started cycling around. They were just on the road where cars would be. And I kept saying, are we okay? And they're like, oh yeah. And then I noticed cars would come up and just come up slowly 
pause, wait to see that they could go around us and they would go around us and they, they made so much room for us and they were driving so slowly. It was bizarre. And there's also very little traffic here. Like I was saying to my brother that day, I remember like, is something going on? Is it always so quiet here? Because it had that feeling of, oh, I'm out driving on Christmas Day and there's no traffic because everyone's home. Mm -hmm. But that's mostly how it is here because there's only 4,000 people who live here and there aren't a lot of cars on the road. I mean, it, everyone has a car here, but 4,000 people does not equate to a ton of traffic. So we started noticing the first couple of weeks here, you know, my husband would come home and he's like, get this. We're going down that little hill and a car is coming towards us. We're on the right-hand side. They're on the left coming towards us. And the car stopped. He just stopped because a car was behind us. And he saw that there's like a young cyclist. And they all just waited. And, and it was, I was like, am I in a different universe? This is crazy. <laughs> it's just crazy. Right. And it just slowly dawned us like, no, this isn't just an unusual day. The drivers here are different mm -hmm. because they're not in as much of a hurry. There isn't traffic and there's 4,000 people here. So they probably think they might know you. Right. If they don't know you, then they know your best friend or your brother. And so they care. They really care. They feel some responsibility on mm -hmm. the road and we've been blown away by it. And now we're kind of part of it. Like if we're driving, we're driving really slow. And there's kids walking kind of on the side of the road. And we're like slowing down, rolling our window down and being like, hey, how's it going? And like, you know, I'm running into my sister-in-law and it's slower and people care about who's out there on the road because there's tons of kids. There's a lot more independence here for kids than from where we were living. And so young kids are kind of, they're in packs walking home from school and they might be walking quite far and there's no sidewalk. And so they're, they're kind of partially on the road and, and it's the community's responsibility to look out for these kids. Mm, I love that idea. It's so amazing. And it's really made me, you know, when I lived in Vancouver, it was always about, we need more infrastructure to protect our cyclists and pedestrians. And we need to protect everyone from the drivers. And now I think I have a much different view that we need better driver education. Right. There's a guy who has a blog called Five Kids, One Condo, Adrian Crook. And he's actually, he was a neighbor of mine in Vancouver and he's really involved in housing and sustainability and advocating in, in the city. And we had a lot of talks. I was like, how are we going to get 30 kilometers an hour for our downtown? Because we need that. In downtown Vancouver, they need to set a speed limit. Because it just, it feels so dangerous to have such density of cyclists and pedestrians and these cars driving so fast next to them. Now I see that, oh, it's not all about building infrastructure and protecting the pedestrians and the cyclists that way. You know, driver education, showing people that they're responsible. And I wonder if that will ever be a part of it. Will we change driver licensing to have a much larger component on drivers being aware of pedestrians and cyclists. I, I, I really don't think they're doing enough for that. Right. I think that there's this sense of anonymity when you're inside of a car. Yeah. And I recently had an experience where I was biking with my son. I was in the cargo bike with my daughter and my son was biking next to me. And we had a car 
pass us and yell at us while we were on the road. We were on the way to the farmer's market. And I was talking to my husband about it later. And I was like, you know, I don't think they would have done that if they couldn't drive off afterward. If they had to be talking face to face to me and looking me in the eye when they were doing that, as opposed to screaming something out their window and then zooming off ahead of me, (laughs) people act differently. And we need to create that situation, like you're saying. Yeah. And that's one thing I've loved about biking is when you are more face to face with somebody and without that protection of a vehicle, it's harder to be upset at somebody or to be rude to somebody. You just get that sense of human connection more. So if I see a pedestrian cutting in front of me because they didn't see me, well, they just didn't see me. And I don't jump to the conclusion that there's some horrible person out to get me or (laughs) you have more of that. We're literally face to face and can hear each other talking. And I think it sounds like such a great step to extend that feeling of community and connection and responsibility and to take away the anonymity to make it safer for everyone. Yeah, that's so true. You know, when you're on your bike, you're closer to everything. You're noticing more and you feel connected and you're, you're on your bike and you're kind of pulling up to some pedestrians and like, I'm going to give them space. And you're at a different speed. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm Canadian, so I'm in kilometers. but. If you're driving 50 kilometers an hour, you just can't be as aware of the smallness around you, right? Yes. Whereas on the bike, I'm really not going fast on my long tail right now. My kid's just getting bigger. We're not going fast. Mm -hmm. One of the other things I really love about riding a family bike is I just have no urgency. I don't need to go fast. It's so not about going fast. And I hear other people who are, I'm kind of interested in cargo biking, but but how fast can I go? And, mm. and I'm like, it's not about going fast. It's, it's just about kind of getting there. Right. I really like that. And now that we have, you know, a young cyclist who's out there with us, even more so, it's great. I'm on the cargo bike, so I'm not going very fast. If he's having a slow day on his bike, it's not a big deal. Is there anything you miss about biking in Vancouver or have you found almost everything to be an improvement moving to the small town. The seawall in Vancouver really is so great. And with kids, there's so many great parks. And that's probably one of our, the things we really miss is we had so many parks available to us on foot and by bike. We just don't have that here. It's, you know, there's two school playgrounds and one city park. And that's kind of it. And it's totally enough. But my kids are so used to going to the park because when you live in a small apartment, that's how you're getting outside. So we, we miss that. And I do miss those those Vancouver, um, not necessarily the protected bike lanes that are in just city streets, but that Vancouver seawall is really beautiful and so, so easy. You know, you're just with other cyclists and it's really quite a joy. So I do miss that. And also we're, we're now like, everybody knows this. Oh, you're that family on the orange bike. No one else up here has a cargo bike. So <laughs> um, there are a lot of cyclists. I'm kind of noticing that kids are on bikes and biking themselves to school at around seven or eight here, biking on their own. I haven't seen a lot of kids under that going out on trips in their driveways or on their, their street. But I am seeing some really cool things like this city has slash town 
has a lot of retirees. And I've seen some people in their 60s, maybe early 70s, out on e-bikes. Nice. So cool. Totally want to flag them down and ask them about it. And this area has quite a depressed economy. And so we have a vulnerable population and families that are really struggling. And so there's people who are biking because they're like, I can't afford a car and I need to get around town. And so I'm on a bike. Yeah, affordable transportation. I love that. So yeah, there's a lot of adults cycling around town and and not in like a, a hipster cool way. It's just kind of like, I need to get somewhere and I'm on my bike. Right, more practical. Yeah, and so I, I really... I love seeing that. And I think there are, uh, I was kind of reading, geeking out and reading the city's long-term plan. Mm -hmm. And they do have wording in there and planning. And this is a a town of 4,000 people around increasing active transportation. You know, maybe us out on our orange bike might encourage some other families. We've had so many people ask. I haven't had any bad comments. It's all curious people who are like, that's so cool and love it. And it's been so far really positive cycling here. That's wonderful. Yeah. Hearing your story has challenged some of my preconceived notions about what it would be like to bike in different places. And I really appreciate that and being able to think of the ways in which different types of places can be supporting active transportation in different ways and have their own strengths and weaknesses, as opposed to just the infrastructure on the ground in big cities is the only way to make it happen. Yeah. And not all of us live in central big cities. So I think that a lot of people will be able to relate to your experience and hopefully see cycling for transportation in small towns differently. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you said, it's, it's been a total eye-opener for me. It's just been such a wonderful surprise to see how welcoming this small town is to active transportation and people and pedestrians. I'm kind of amazed, amazed every day by it. I love it. Well, let's end by zooming out a little bit and have some of your reflections about your experience with active transportation. So let's start with what you found to be the biggest challenges. One of the biggest hurdles I've found is fear. It's my own. It's other people's. I consider myself pretty like up for anything and fairly confident about my abilities. I was a really high level athlete. I'm six feet tall. I'm a big rider. I'm pretty strong. But my husband, when I said I wanted to cargo bike, he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And when we first got the long tail set up, the mechanic that put it together for me didn't put the defloppilator thing on. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, you totally don't need it. And the first time I got on it, literally just almost dumped the bike and was trying to ride it without the defloppilator. And I, I said, I just, I don't know if I can do this. Then I put it on and I was like, oh, okay, this totally helps. And that's the piece that helps the front wheel stay. Yeah. It's like a little spring that helps. It's like a coil and it is called the defloppilator, which just sounds crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of it has been my fear and listening to the fear of others. I am interested in winter cycling Mm -hmm. and I'll just totally admit my husband and my brother are both like, you shouldn't do it. You'll dump the bike with the kids on it. And I really want to try and I'm like ready to try without any cargo on there. Just practice going around. And so it is, it's other people's fears. And if you trust your gut, if you 
do some research. There's so much information out there now. And I think, you know, if you can really go and read other people's stories, I loved hearing Elspeth talk about how she didn't really cycle and only got into it because she was like, we're not driving and I need a way to get around. And then Mm -hmm. this beautiful thing has come out of it. Other people are, are not, not so brave to start as well. And that's something I've found to be really helpful to me is to read about other people's concerns and that they kind of, they've overcome them. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got their opinion, listen to them, but you don't have to, to go by their word. And, and there's no shame in trying something and maybe saying it's not for me and just being open. And the other thing I, I, I have felt so accomplished on this cargo bike going up a hill. There's this one hill we have to go up. My kids are cheering me on. My husband's like, wow, I can't believe you did that. And I'm dead at the top of it. But I did it. I hauled them up the hill. And, you know, life is, especially with like young kids, it's kind of the same thing day in, day out. Like making meals, I'm doing laundry, and we're doing our reading at night. And I don't have a ton of avenues in my life anymore where I get tested every day. And to go out there on this bike with all my kids and climb a hill or even just do a longer ride, even just the the short ones, I feel this sense of accomplishment and it stays with you for the day. It feels great. And that's just even beyond the like, oh, I got out some, some exercise and some fresh air. I feel this sense of accomplishment. That has surprised me how good it's made me feel about myself. It is so satisfying to know that you got somewhere by your own power. And I've found that to be really powerful and exactly what you're saying, just this sense of accomplishment. Uh, and even though it's just getting myself from place to place, it it feels like more than that. Yeah. And I also love what you're saying with the, the fear and judgment being so tied together. And I think that's so complicated when you're a parent as well, because there's already so much judgment floating around about how we raise our kids and what we choose to do with them. And that is something I've also had to work on is accepting that other people do not approve of the choice that I'm making and they're making a different choice, but also being confident that this is what's right for our family and that we're going to keep doing that and to just know that it's okay if everybody doesn't agree with it. And I I don't want to let that stop us. Yes, totally not letting those other people's fears and other people's judgments stop you from something that's rewarding on so many levels too. I mean, my kids, we talk about how when we ride the bike, it's better for the environment, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they get that and they're young. Yes. And that's sticking with them that being a good steward of the environment means driving less and walking more and using your bike more. And what an awesome life lesson to hopefully instill in your kids so that as they become an adult, they don't fall into the trap of thinking, I have to have a car. They question more. Do I really need to? Yes. Yes. They see that there is a different way. Yeah. And I recently had a conversation with my son and he told me that he wished that we had a car. And I said, oh, why do you wish that? And he said, well, then I could eat the snow off of it when it snows. And I thought, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I said, oh. That's awesome. I said, well, well, what do you like about having a bike? And he's like, oh, well, bikes are good because then you don't have to use gas and it doesn't put exhaust out into the air. And I was like, yeah, that's right. So yeah, I'll take the wanting to eat snow off cars 
it wasn't a rejection of our lifestyle. It was just him being five. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Well, you've talked about the benefits of that sense of accomplishment. Are there any other benefits that you found from incorporating active transportation as a family? Well, you know, cargo bikes are expensive, but there's there's savings to be had there too. And I think about that all the time right now. The weather here is pretty tenuous. We had a snowfall. And so one of the reasons we moved here was because we really wanted to live a much cheaper lifestyle and be closer to retirement. So I think about that all the time. I'm like, well, if I could bike today, save a couple bucks. And then I think it's really brought our family closer together. My husband hadn't been on a bike in like 25 years until maybe a year and a half ago. I convinced him to get a bike share membership in Vancouver. I forced him to. And and so he got into cycling because of the bike share. And it was so fun to see someone have that light bulb go off of like, this makes my life so fun and so easy. And so he was he was using the Moby bike share system all over Vancouver and and just couldn't believe how much it opened up the city to him and how how easy it made things. So because we were moving here and no more bike share, he bought his first bike and and to see how much he's enjoyed it and how much it changes his day. It just feels great. And also my son, um, our oldest is on the autism spectrum. He's quite high functioning, but he hasn't had great gross motor and fine motor development. So we really resisted trying to introduce the bike to him because we were working on mastering one thing, which was the scooter. So he was seven, seven and a half this spring when we got him a bike and taught him to ride. And I will say it made things so much easier for uh, a kid who's got some challenges to wait until seven and a half and a half because he was riding within a couple days. But to witness his his feeling of accomplishment at learning to ride his bike and going on longer rides and how good it makes him feel about himself. And, you know, he's got a lot of avenues in life where he doesn't feel good about himself, you know, where he's he's struggling in relation to his peers. And this bike has made him feel great. And we've all enjoyed seeing him do well on it and how accomplished he feels. So, yeah, I mean, it feels like it's a small thing. It's a bike, but it has such a huge impact on our family. Even getting out for the 20-minute ride because you've got to go pick something up or or riding the kids to school. I, j- I just love it. I love that we're, you know, I'm on the cargo bike with the two little kids and my older son's on his little green bike and my husband's there with us. I look at us, I'm like, okay, we're really living our values. We're outside, we're being kind to the environment, and, you know, we're doing something that's good for us, so. Yeah, it becomes part of your family identity. Yes. And a really positive part of your family identity. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally fine to be the crazy family on the orange bike who's like, <laughs> who's cycling in when the weather isn't that great and no one else is cycling. Right. As long as we're enjoying it, then it's a win. Yes. Well, do you have a piece of advice for somebody who is interested in dipping their toe into the active transportation water as a family? Any first steps that you would recommend for people? You know, like we talked about earlier, like set one goal and really look at your your week and the places you go regularly and pick one that you think, you know what, instead of doing the seven minute drive, let's turn it into 
a 30 minute walk. Or let's see, you know, let's get on our bikes and see where we can go with it. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing, but putting something regularly on your schedule that you say, we do this without the car. We do it by walking or we do it by biking and make it part of your kind of your family habits, your family rituals. I think it's such a good starting point and it really can kind of open your eyes and start changing how you view the rest of your week, be it I'm going to take half an hour in in my morning to walk to work or walk part of the way to work. That's another beauty of the walking is that you can decide I'll hop on the bus half an hour from here or take some other mode of transportation like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, start small and try and make it a weekly thing if possible. And then it can become a kind of family adventure as opposed to just this thing you have to get through in order to get where you're going that the the transportation becomes part of the fun, which I think kids really get on board with too. Yeah, there's so much there. Agreed. Well, this conversation has been great. I would love for you to share with listeners where they can find you and maybe tell them a little bit more about your upcoming book if they're interested in hearing more of your thoughts on minimalism. Great. Yeah. I have a website, theminimalistmom.com. And there's years and years of content there around um, living with less stuff. And there's lots on active transportation too and going car-free with kids. Um, I also have a, a Facebook page around it that has a pretty engaged community. It's Facebook slash Minimalist Mom. Uh, and then I have a new book coming out. It comes out in early December. It's called The Joy of Doing Nothing. And it's a book about finding some little pockets in your day to disconnect and reset your brain and your body for stress reduction, better health. And uh, yeah, I think it's a really cool book. I have learned a lot writing it. <laughs> it's been great for me as a mom of three to have all these reminders about finding some space in your life for some, some peace. I'm already hooked just with the title because I find a lot of joy in just sitting and taking a break. So I can't wait to, to read more about it once it's out. And I will also be sure to link to a lot of the posts that you have specifically about biking and becoming car free. There's one called The Month I Paid $30 a Mile to Drive. That's really great. Yeah. Talking about when you chose to go car free in Vancouver. So yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. Oh, thank you, sir. I had so much fun. Thank you to everyone for listening to the show. As always, links to everything we mentioned will be in the show notes at familypedals.com. And you can find me on Instagram at familypedals. If you'd like to support the show, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can share it with someone you think will enjoy it. This will be the last episode of 2017, but I'll be back with more interviews in the new year. Until then, happy writing. <laughs>